Hello and welcome to The Road Provides, a travel podcast for the next generation of travelers, adventurers, and vagabonds. It's the season finale, and you already know, my name is Bradford Clements. I'm coming to you direct from Whitefish, Montana. I'm joined by my co-host in Denver, Nate Sundermeyer, a.k.a. the David Blaine of travel. <laughs> That's absurd. <laughs> Today's episode is all about the great American road trip. So we'll give you some U.S.-based travel takes. We'll break down the five gears that'll make your road trip a success, and finally, We'll unveil our red, white, and blue off-trail destinations for you to consider on your next trip. So, strap in, kids. This pod might go off the rails at any minute. This is The Road Provides. You want to see some fucking magic? (laughs) It's the Great American Road Trip. There's one country in the world named the United States of America, and it is this one. All right, welcome back, everybody. Thanks again for joining us. Yes, this is our last episode. Nate, I can't believe we've made it. Through the mists of Avalon, we've come out the other side. I think, I think, I say the expression a lot, boys to men. I think this has been a transformative growth experience. We've had some rocky roads. I'm not trying to like get into the whole road metaphor. We've had some smooth roads. But at the same time, I've enjoyed the whole process. <laughs> In other words, it has been about the journey and not the destination. Oh, no. I can't believe you went there. The, uh, you, dropped, you dropped the biggest travel cliche on the last episode. Brad, it's all about the climb. <laughs> no, I've had a really good time. I would like to thank you again for getting me into this. Uh, really twisting my arm over two years. and I've had, uh, I've had to drag you a little bit to the finish line, but but here we are. We can save a lot of this at, for, for the end, our, our thank yous and our... Roll the credits. ...and our, our self-adulation. But anyways, it's been awesome. Yeah, let's get into today's episode. Well, Let's get into it. Let's chop it up. Listeners, saddle up because we're getting on a bald eagle and flying straight into Death Valley for the hottest road trip takes the United States has ever seen. It's our travel takes segment, Unconventional Thoughts. Brad, what are you hitting me with right now? All right, my travel take this week is... Oregon has the best stretch of coastline. It's kind of a destination hot take. It's kind of a bit of combination of the two. Trail there, little flavor. Oregon has the best stretch of coastline in the continental United States. Sorry, California. Ooh. I've driven the coast from the northwest corner of Washington State to San Diego. I've been from Maine to Miami. There is no coast more diverse, dramatic and free. Yes, that's the big kicker here. Oregon is just one of two states in the entire country whose coastline is entirely public lands. Can you smell that, what, Nate? What's the other one? I don't know, but it's not important. Can you can, <laughs> can, can you smell, Nate, 363 miles of freedom? I'm talking redwood forests, the largest expanse of coastal sand dunes in North America, which you can explore on ATVs, iconic sea stacks, fresh dungeness crab. I once stared up at the sky from the most popular beach town on the Oregon coast and saw the entire Milky Way. 
Any of you, please tell me when's the last time you've done that. Uh, That's it, Nate. The Oregon Coast. Okay, my few things. I love the Goonies. And the Goonies is set on the very northern part of that coast. And for forever, that was like, I need to go to, you know, Cannon Beach in that neck of the woods. And I finally had the chance in 2018. And I ended up hitchhiking down the coast. It was unbelievable. Like the wind was swirling in a way that light reflected, right? Light reflected. Refracted. Refracted everywhere. And I honestly could see into the past and the future. It was unbelievable. And I cannot wait. I'm I'm actually going to go next month. I'm going in like two weeks, I think. I've I've just been doing some research on it uh, for this, just to get my my T's crossed and I's dotted here. So what am I doing in Montana? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of the Goonies house, when you went, was it covered up with like blue tarps? I never, I didn't actually go to the Goonies house. I just went, wanted to go to that neck of the woods. Did you go? Well, you can go to the house, but some hump has bought it and then got super pissed that all these like Goonie files were showing up to see the house and take pictures. And so their solution was to put that ugly blue tarp like up on up in front of their house and it just made it like an abomination. It was kind of disappointing. So you couldn't even really see the house and do the But you know the, the kids from the Goonies would definitely go in the house. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. You couldn't do the truffle shuffle. Yeah. You know what sure. I mean? <laughs> but yeah, but I agree. That it is, is an also absolute a- beautiful stretch of coastline. Let me just rip off a couple names from the Oregon coast for you. Pistol River. I want to be there. Cape Blanco. Name of my firstborn son. You said it. Cannon Beach. And Boom. Then the last, then the last one. Boom. Thunder Rock Cove. I mean, you can't have all three. I Remember mean, come on. That you can't have. You can have Thunder Cove or Thunder Rock or Rock Cove, but all three, they're just flirting with danger. I mean, it is just amazing. Uh, A fun note here. You talked about hitchhiking down the coast. You can actually walk it. It was established like 50 years ago, and then it's been like constantly developed and and patched together, but it's the Oregon Coast Trail. And so Mm. you can hike those 300-something miles. It gets a little weird because if you don't take ferries and you've got to walk road, so it's not completely connected the whole tra- the whole trail like say the PCT or the AT is. But I will say that forty they say forty percent of that walk of the three hundred something miles is on beach. I mean, bro, That's could you imagine? Imagine walking 160 miles on just incredible coastline and then pitching up a, you know, a campsite or something just on this rugged, incredible coast. That'd be unreal. Woof. Sign me up. I don't know. I'm going to Montana next week. I should be going over there. Come to see me, baby. Come to see me. All these destinations. Well, I feel like that was given a lot of value. Um, So I appreciate that. Mine's a bit more hot and to the point so let's I'll get just, let's get it what do you got i'll jump into it point blank the best road trip vehicle is the one that you have what i don't like is the idea that you need a forerunner a big truck or a sick-ass sprinter van to go out and see the country there's two big things i think people think about when it comes to vehicles the first one is do you want to get on back dirt roads and most people are like yeah 
have you seen those glacier lakes? I want to get into that blue ass water. I want to swim naked as the sun sets over these rugged mountains. I digress. <laughs> I've made it to the top of most trailheads and on a lot of back roads in a Subaru Impreza. What I'm trying to say is you don't need all these big things to get to the majority of the roads that you want to drive on. Sure, you might not be able to go over mountain pass in your 04 Corolla, but you sure as shit can go on every interstate, highway, and back road from Oregon to South Carolina. The second big thing is you want to live in your vehicle. You want to sleep in it. You want to cook. Either way, detach your fucking fantasies. Fucking close out of Pinterest because it doesn't matter. You can fold down the seats and sleep in most wagons, SUVs, and even sedans. So what? You might not have that iconic shot of your feet next to some glacier lake or a beach, but you're not spending $60,000 to get out there. And most importantly, you are on the road. What are your thoughts, Brad? I'm with it. It's, I feel like it's such a big excuse can be the car and the vehicle and the means by which you Mm -hmm. road trip, but any four wheels will do. You can, there are so many different ways to patch together a road trip or a trip across country, or even if you're just, you know, ripping down the coast for a week or so, forget the excuses. Just get in your car, whatever Go. car you have, Easy. and put That's... your foot to the pedal and get after it. Fun, fun question for you. What would you be your dream road trip car? <laughs> you already know. I'm jumping with the bougie upper middle class sprinter van crew yeah yeah i'm just I, mean, <laughs> I just i just won't what, hashtag, if you don't have a white backsplash and a white duvet then don't even bother brad i just won't hashtag van life at any of my social media posts but listen i saw a guy climb out of the back of a prius he was sleeping in his prius I love and just that. made it happen obviously like if you're more than one person you might really need to take into account what wheels you got. We're going to unpack that later. Um, and also, weather is important. If you've got a if you got a Corolla and you're taking the northern route across the United States in December. February, yeah. December, you, you, you know, real world drive might be an issue for you. Mm. So there's some of that here in play. But if if you think it's a consideration, just forget that thought right now. The biggest obstacle is you saying yes and just going out there and do it. So just do it. Don't let your car hold you back. Yeah. My friends told me this story that they were bought like this $30,000 sailboat, didn't know how to fucking sail. And they like hobbled in and they're like in this marina full of million dollar yachts. And they were like, oh, are you going to go on a trip? Oh, we just need this one more thing for the boat. We just need one more thing for the boat. These people have all these things, but they never actually go. Yeah. And they're like, all right, sick. And they just pointed that thing south and like learned to sail and like went around Baja and had the best time on a $30,000 boat. You just got to go. Yeah. You know, there's always going to be some other thing that's better, but you want to live life. You want to get these experiences. You want to stop, turn off the podcast and go. (laughs) (laughs) Here's my, this is such an important thing just for travel period. But I think the, the great American road trip, it is such a gift we have. And it's, it's like our birthright to be able, the national parks, everything we have here, the, the interstate system, you can literally get anywhere. All you have to do is just fucking drive. And so 
That's it, baby. Just get Rihanna, out and drive. Shut up and drive. Yeah. Yeah. Shut up. Well, let's and drive. get into it. What are what are these? What's this five gears things you're going on about? All right, let's get in here to the value portion of our the meat, the meaty bit <laughs> of our podcast. We are going to present our five gears of road tripping across the United States, starting with the most basic. And then shifting gear by gear into higher octane levels of traveling Rats. across the country. <laughs> so let's get this segment out of park. No, I know. Jeff. I think I think if there's anything I do in every podcast, I probably mention Bali and Paul Walker, rest in power. Uh, but he, I'm picturing these shifts being like that scene where they're drag racing. High octane, pedal to the metal. Yeah, yeah. We're racing yeah. for pink slips in this podcast today, Nate. Exactly. All right. Well, All right, let's let's get it going. What's first? What's first gear look like for you? Well, Nate? I'm I'm grabbing the handbrake real tight. I'm slamming it down, putting my foot on the clutch, knocking into first, and I'm gonna drop this. National parks are overrated. <laughs> what are you on about, Nate? State forests, state parks, and national forests pack more nature-based adventure than you'll ever find in a national park. Hear me out. That's hot. Why are national parks overrated? They're beautiful. There's so much great stuff, and I'm not shitting on them. I'm just saying they are crowded, have expensive amenities, you got to pay to get in all of them, and with all these people, you're not actually experiencing nature, which is what you're there for. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. Preach! What do state parks, state forests, and national forests provide? Freedom. It's the Oregon coastline of structured (laughs) nature areas. More or less, you can camp anywhere you want in a national forest. The state parks are cheaper to get into. And so I'm just saying an example of this, Tetons, beautiful, stunning. I love them. Worth going to the national park. But packed you can't walk you're bumping into you're bumping shoulders people who are five and seven kids deep i'm telling you 150 miles south we got medicine bow same beauty same picturesque spot a lot less crowded you can camp wherever the hell you want it's amazing absolutely i mentioned in a the pot the first podcast about idaho the sawtooth mountains out there that's what i'm saying we're incredible and Nothing's the Tetons, bro. The Tetons the t- are, are, stunning. are yeah, majestic. Yeah. And so is Yellowstone or whatever. But if you can't make it there, you've got others, uh, you know, it's not settling all the time. Yeah. And, and in some points, like you said, you might have, there might be more of an adventure and you might be more alone in nature. And if, if you're striving for that, right, to be one with nature, instead of walking single file up a, <laughs> up a trail, like you said, with a bunch of eight-year-olds and 15-year-olds who are pissing and moaning about walking, these nas- uh, national forests, state parks, stuff like that are there for you. All right, yeah, Brad, what's, what's your first gear? All right, my first gear is boondocking. If you're not familiar... Boondocking is basically taking your car or RV and camping off grid. It can include sleeping in a Walmart parking lot, but more than likely it means camping in the wild without any hookups or services. I think it's the way to go when road tripping personally. I feel like campsites, these campsites and KOAs get real expensive, crowded. It can be like a bit of a racket. And it usually leads to more of an adventure as well, as you said, about going to Bureau of Land Management lands, private lands, uh, stuff like that that's not controlled or 
National forest, yeah. Or or regulated, you can kind of just be out there on your own. And I I think it's kind of over overrated showering and having, you know, some of these amenities. You can go a couple days when you're really road tripping, you get used to being out there and not needing all these amenities. So forgo all that and just, you know, just rock up. Swim in a lake, a river, a stream, the ocean, freshen yourself up. But I completely agree. And uh, I think boondocking, I think just like backcountry camping or the closest thing to it with your car is the best case scenario in my eyes. You've got to be a little wise about where you're doing it and when mm. you're doing it. Yeah, Walmart parking lots are a bit a bit sus. I've actually heard they're not sus. They're incredibly well lit. It's just like who wants to sleep in a Walmart parking lot? You know what I mean? Safety-wise, I think nobody's going to like break into – because you'll see other RV – uh, guys set up there and other camper stuff. It's it's not as weird as you think once you're on the road and you see all that stuff. Yeah. But just safety wise, you you kind of want to know where you're at and maybe who sees you and who doesn't. You just don't want to be on the side of the road and any stranger can kind of pull up. That can be a little sus and sketch. I like urban camping. I like boondocking in cities. I've boondocked in like. Brooklyn, I've boondocked in my camper with a camper trailer. I've boondocked in like downtown Detroit, Wicker Park, Chicago. I was parked in Wicker Park, Chicago for five days. I was basically living there and uh, it was all free. You just have to find a place that won't get ticketed, won't get towed. It's more or less legal and don't make it completely obvious like you're squatting there or whatever. Yeah. I, my, I have a general rule is like I don't let anybody see I try not to let anybody see me crawl into the car or the camper at night when I'm going to sleep. So, you know, people just assume that maybe it's empty and and whatnot just to be safe and, you know, keep myself protected. Well, I really respect that. I like that. And I think I'm going to I'm going to shift into second gear here. Let's do it. And build on your point. Someone asked me that week, what's your favorite app on your phone? And I said, far and away, Google Maps. And people are like, what? <laughs> Google Maps? More or less, it is a gateway to experiences. It's a gateway to seeing things. Why I love it is you can tap on places, and I just look for like green mountain spaces. I look for names, mountain reserves, national forests. I click on them, and then you can kind of look at for roads and see pictures of the place and say, that looks interesting, and I go there. But how to advance on that and what's the next step is this app, iOverlander, and it basically gives you the boondocking spots. More often than not, you're talking about national forests. They have all the amenities, so you can choose ones that are free campsites, paid campsites, uh, like established grounds, and then backcountry spots. So you basically can kind of- You like pull-offs and stuff like that? Pull-offs. You curate your own adventure, though. And it's like, so I would find someplace cool, get on iOverlander, and see what's around there. And I, a lot of the apps are like these Germans traveling in their massive rigs, being like, yeah. here are these pictures. And so they take pictures for you. Mainly a lot of the pictures are like, look how- fucking sick my big rig is yeah i'm talking about the car and uh and they um then it has the google uh, google maps coordinates so boom it flings you right there and you're sorted and i found so many good spots for this app it is amazing it's called i overlander and 100 percent, it is just the way to go and experience the boondocking getting off the map a lot of places um, outside of national parks and whatnot if you don't know these overland cars these guys are these are the explorers. Like these guys, these are like tanks on like 28 inch wheels. Like, yeah, it's like a semi truck of, yeah, these things these are rugged houses. 
And these but are they're very like on the road for a year. It's so it's like yeah. a house on wheels. These are very technical. Like these are people who are really I almost kind of like the science the scientists of travel. These guys really uh like to document and explore and stuff like that. So it's an amazing resource. I will add for for people who may be just looking for a, a little more manageable stuff if you're looking at camp and find find stuff like that. Hip camp. I think it's a real cool place for, it's like the Airbnb of camping. It's a great little resource where you can find people's private land where they have their own like little camping setup for you, mm -hmm. ton of reviews and stuff like that, where they provide a something a little more comfortable, experienced space. Some of them, it's like, yeah, you can park on the land. They have a campsite with, you know, or they'll have like a deck space with chairs and stuff and yeah. everything. And it can still be in beautiful location, but they give you a little bit. Right. So if you're not, if you don't want to go too far into roughing it and being out there on your own, I think hip camp is really cool. Boondocking is another app that's got a bunch of this stuff. The dirt D Y R T. I think you have to pay for it, but it's got a bunch of resources on where to camp and what to do. And all these things are, are, are populated by, by the public, by people. There's plenty of reviews. If you're worried about safety or quality, you can get all that stuff on there. But again, great tools, great resources to really get out there and make design your own trip and make the trip happen for yourself. Right? Definitely. Yeah. All right. Let me get into my second gear here. Cafes. If you're rolling into a smaller city or town and you want to find out what's going on, find the quirky, trendy, artsy coffee shops. Not the obnoxiously trendy ones, though. These places are a hub for the arts and what's happening in cities and towns. Look for flyers about concerts. Ask the barista what's happening, what's going on. They may even have live music at some of these spaces. It's a great communal location. I bring this up because I'm not a big nature guy. A couple of these we just knocked out, you know, sleeping in the wild and doing all that stuff. That's not what I want to do when I road trip. When I road trip, I like going to towns, to cities. I want to drink in bars. I want to like eat good food, you know, listen to live music, see weird people and what's happening. And I feel like this is always a tried and true way to immediately jump into a town and get a sense of and what might well, be happening. And also I feel like the, the baristas sometimes can even like lead you into a gateway of like the cool stuff. They're like, yes. oh, like, cool. Like we're actually having this show back here in like f four hours, like come along. And you're like, cool, sick. Yeah. Every barista is like in a band or is like writing a book. Or, yeah. Or, or has an art studio or a friend doing who something does. cool. Yeah. Not Starbucks people. Like, no. Starbucks. No, we're talking like the, this is the cool, this is the advanced, you're paying five, six dollars for a latte. Yeah. And but it's I'll worth hope, it. Hope, hopefully not five or six, but you know, you get the point. If you're from bigger cities, you should know what these places look like. If you're not, once you kind of go into town, you'll kind of get the sense of them. Usually just drive around Google Maps. You see just a bunch of people that like clearly d don't. Like work remotely from there every day. You yeah, know what I'm exactly. If you yeah. see a, bu a bunch of people working on their laptop, yeah, it's it's probably one of these places. So that's it. It's not too 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 intricate, but it is a place that I've always found as a great resource. These little cafes and literally, they're they're absolutely everywhere. Every town has something like this. Can't Completely. miss it. Nate. Well, what is gear three? We're starting to we're starting to get up there in octane. I think it it's taken the vein, taken the same flavor the same energy of what are you doing on the road trip and i'm saying this go out of your way and see the shit that makes america america for me i'm giving another app or website suggestion it's called atlas obscura 
but basically it's curated the coolest, weirdest shit in each state or country. Let's get weird, Nate. Exactly. So more or less, you can look up any state and it's like little kooky things, whether it's like a rock formation that looks like a penguin, an underground missile silo, or, you know, like an abandoned mining town. It's cool things. And also you get your, you know, biggest ball of yarns. You get your uh, car hinge, which I'm hoping to see in Nebraska next month. You know, Stonehenge, but it's a bunch of cars. Ha ha. And <laughs> all of those things add about a bunch of flavor. And I think there are these things that make the United States what it is. Like the idea that you can make an attraction out of nothing. It's just incredible what the lengths some places have gone to yeah. draw traffic to where <laughs> they live. And some of them come up, dude, that car hinge is fucking amazing, bro. I've seen pictures. I haven't been by myself. I haven't been myself, but it looks rad. And there's just so many more places like this. You're absolutely right here. You have to, you have to plant it in your head to just get a little weird and know that it's out there. And once you do, you start shifting and searching for that yeah. stuff because we can get funneled into going from national park to the St. Louis arch or yeah. wh whatever, just kind of standard tourist stuff you drive do. Yeah. Because the interstates connect all those and are, are yeah. going one way or the other. But if you're willing to do a little bit of the research and Atlas Obscura is a great one. They also sell the book. My friend has the the book is it, is like, it a table book? It's kind of yeah, like a, table it's like book a book coffee thing? table book, and um, so you can actually buy the book and bring it along with you. But open your mind, get a little weird, dip yeah. dip your toe into an old ghost town or something like that. It's it's wild. Montana unfortunately doesn't have a ton of that stuff. Did you? I actually did we? I don't think we looked at Montana's Atlas Obscura, but we, we flipped like, through a couple and it was just like, it's like ghost town, mining, mining town, town it's ghost town, mining yeah. town. Yeah, and not a whole lot up here necessarily, but um, it's a hike to live where I live. So, anyways, all right, my third gear here. This one, this is we're getting a little technical. We're getting a little uncomfortable. I call this the cheapo trifecta. <laughs> I this is this. this is ideally for people road tripping for several weeks, maybe a month or so. Uh, I really honed in on this specific set here of, of three things when I drove across the country for seven months. And the trifecta is a Planet Fitness membership, a Costco membership for gas, and signing up for DoorDash. Let me wild. Let me I, you know you couldn't have like this is just like three very different odd, points of the triangle here. Odd things. Let me make them make sense for you. All right. So if you're if you're road tripping for a while, right, and you're if you're adding some of these elements that we've discussed, boondocking, kind of taking the you know the trip into your own hands, not staying at campsites, living wild and free, Planet Fitness membership. They're everywhere. There are like I don't know the specific number, but I think it's like. It's over thousands, literally like Helena, Montana, Des Moines, Iowa, pretty much every small college town, every small city, big cities have like six of them, but you use it as your place to shower up and freshen up every day. Get a workout in if you feel like it. By the end of my, my trip, I was growing up hung over as fuck. I would make no eye contact, walk straight to the shower, shower, pop a bunch of Advil and get back in my car. So... Anyway, 
it's 20 bucks a month to get this uh, nationwide membership. You use it for as long as you need it. And then you, yeah. you cancel it when you come back. Now there is like a annual fee. It's like a hundred bucks, but I'm telling you, if, if you shower and use that like 10 times, at least 10 like, to 15, I would pay, you'd pay 20. Like if you haven't showered for five days, you'd pay $20 for a shower. Oh, bro. You know what I'm saying? Easy. The, um, there's a, you know, those tr big trucker road stops. Yeah. They, uh, they charge for a shower, like 10 bucks just to go in and shower where all the truckers shower. Uh, hard. No. I'm not showering where a bunch of tr truckers shower, but campsites, like you said, can be 15 bucks a shower, five bucks a shower or something. And then to stay in a campsite, just to shower at 40 bucks, 50 bucks. Yeah. So anyway, if, if you're really getting into it in the teeth of it and you want to, if you want to show up, save some money, planet fitness. All right. Costco membership, pretty straightforward. You, you buy a membership. It's 90 bucks. Co uh, Costco gas saved me in California, almost 40 cents a gallon. That's so huge. again, do the math, but I'm telling you, you fill up a couple tanks, you've pretty much made your money. And they are, again, everywhere. They're even in they're even in Canada. That's easy. You can do the math on that. And the DoorDash, people don't know, or everybody should know what DoorDash is by now. It's like Uber Eats, it's the food delivery service or whatever. You can DoorDash, once you're a driver, you can DoorDash anywhere across the United States of America. Uber, if you want to drive for Uber or Lyft and transport people, it's you have to state. be you have to be registered and or licensed in the state you want to drive in. Mm -hmm. Uh-uh. Doesn't apply to DoorDash. So what I'm saying here, Nate, is if you're on a budget and you just want to make a little extra money as you go, say you pull up into Chattanooga, Tennessee. You want to pay for your hotel room that night. Turn on the DoorDash app, work for, you know, four hours, make 80 bucks, pay for your hotel that night. Or you you know, roll up into Portland, Portland, you just want to pay for dinner, turn it on for an hour, make 20 bucks, boom, your dinner's paid for. The sly thing about this, aside from making money, you can work as much or as little as you want, but it's a really good way to get to know a place pretty quick because it's driving around. Yeah. It, and it'll take you places that you never would have gone by yourself. Nate, that's awesome. Nate, I, I actually, I think that's a good tip. And I think, um, I don't know, as frugal as I am, I think that's a nice little thing to have up the sleeve. Can and I what's nice is you can, you can, you don't have to you pretty much just have the, the front seat empty. You know, you don't yeah. have to like empty your car. It doesn't have to be presentable. You just, nope. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. Whatever. You, slam just, the rock, back. you yeah. just rock and do what you do. This is, this is the bonus gear before we get to our next gear in the cheapo trifecta. What's for <laughs> the, the cheapo quad quad. If you, yeah. you want to get really really i don't know this is elite well i don't know about legal but it's out there if you wake up in the morning and you and you want oh, breakfast just walk into a hotel like you own the place and walk straight to the continental buffet and eat breakfast and coffee for free and then walk out most of these people who are who are working the front desk they don't know who who checked in the night before what are they going to ask you for your card or what room you're staying in? Just walk in like you own the place. Go back there, grab a coffee, an OJ, a bagel, and get the heck out. Bing, bang, boom. Wow, it's a little more renegade, but it's yeah, that's there, that's definitely the that's like the yeah, that's definitely an advanced nope. maneuver. You're taking you're taking the quad. That, that's the cheapo quad. <sighs> that might actually be a six gear, an unknown six gear. Actually, you know what? That's the nos. That's when you're hitting the nos. <laughs> yes, that's the nitrous hit a nitrous. Um, All right, well, let's well, get going to, to fourth gear. Nate, what's your which fourth gear? Yeah, for? fourth Mer. gear, I'm saying get off the interstate 
And I think I talked a lot about Google Maps. I like that you can avoid tolls, which is also a big one. Ooh, that'll you, eat your budget. For sure. Especially like Indiana, it's like uh, 60 bucks to go across the state, I feel awful. like. Awful. Um, but you can turn avoid tolls, but mainly you can turn avoid highways. So you're basically getting off the interstate. Have you seen Cars? Have you seen the movie Cars? Uh, love it. I've seen all of them. Yeah. That surprised me. Every time I ask you, have you seen this movie? You're like, no. Anyways. I'm a, I'm a you sucker. Sound like, I'm a sucker. That's what Brad sounds like in the workshop. So the whole town shuts down because the interstate was created and there's these little towns that basically get completely neglected from that. So by doing that, you're slowing your pace down, but for the most part, you're getting into the parts where people see you and say, he or she is not from there. And why is this an advanced maneuver? You're going to have more genuine interactions. You're going to have conversations. You're going to have people that are invested in you, whether it's at a diner, a gas station. It's just, you. it's a bit more of that it's that more you personal. want from an experience. It's personal. Everyone, if you go to a Flying J or one of these big truck stops or big gas stations in the interstate, who gives a shit? Yeah, they're like, there's get 10, in, give me people your money, pass the day. get out. Yeah, exactly. Get out your way. And you're going to get food that is not fast food. You're getting, you know, these home cooked meals. It might clog your arteries, but it also might light your world on fire. <laughs> so, either way, I think it's kind of a shift in the whole trip, if you will. And you don't have to do this all the time. You can just say, you know, today we have a bit more time. I'm willing to drive five hours versus four. And, you know, but you're you're getting on these back roads. You're seeing things. You're seeing the slices of America that you want to get into. And that's it's about the destination. Nay, it's about the journey. <laughs> don't do that again. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna have to get a mute button. This is the only thing here, though, is it's commitment. If you want to grab... <laughs> grab the reins and ride the road like that it's a time commitment like Completely. because if you're taking interstate probably where you're going it's gonna take four hours if you do these back roads and get all these like you know byways and everything you're adding at least another couple hours to do that and i'm with you but sometimes i've done them and it's been a bit of a swing and a miss yeah completely and i think i think there are places to do it and places to not do it right yeah and, some, and sometimes you just have to figure that out. It's worth the exper uh, experiment. But I, th I think what's weird is we've gotten to a point where we're so far from Route 66 days. You know, those old, that like those, some of those towns that were on the smaller byways that have now been overpassed, like they gave up 20 years ago, you know? Yeah, that is true. I was going to say, like, I, I've been on some of these towns. I was actually thinking about that when I was saying, making this point. I was like, yeah, some of these towns are actually like, you're like, ooh, ah, yeah. this is like, they've, you know, but like there's like the huge billboards that say find Jesus, don't do meth. You know, yeah. Like, okay, there's a whole lot of the Jesus tones. on those byways. Here's where you certainly want to do that in God's country. Some places where you know, like the nature and the landscape might provide. Oh, going going by provides. going byways in like Wyoming, yeah, or, or Montana, yeah, or Oregon, the scenic, the scenic byway, Maine, route. yeah. Oh man, you're gonna see all kinds of gnarly stuff. Where not to see byways? <laughs> Indiana, Iowa, yeah, Indiana, I Iowa, maybe Kansas. No offense, I love parts of Kansas. Some of it's just flat, and you're yeah. not gonna probably see a whole I, lot. I will of say, what started this point was when I was driving through France. I didn't want to pay for tolls, and I avoided the tolls and highways on the um, on the Google Maps. And it was amazing going through like these small picturesque towns. And I'm like, I seem like, 
you know, I wonder if Rule Iowa packs the same punch as France. And I go, no, no, no. it doesn't. No, but doesn't. at the same time, you know, I think there are parts. You know, the scenic byways are worth it, and I think I abs- I absolutely agree. Just to, you've got to dig into, like Nate said, do use the tools, Google Maps, iOverlander, kind of look at what you're getting to when you. Europe is a no-brainer for this because it's so dense, you know? Every yeah. 10 miles, it's some new little hamlet or town or something. So There's... cool, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> again, I hate to pick on Iowa. You could probably say the same about, I don't know, New Mexico as well. It's not dense, you know what I mean? And yeah. you're taking these rural byways, probably not going to go out. Bro, what about that? Uh, the rural byway in Arizona? What's that road that comes down to Zion? Uh, uh, what's the number? Oh, I'm putting you on, Johnny on the spot here. First there, of all, Zion's not in Arizona. That's the issue. If you're talking about oh, Utah, I'm sorry. There's a there's a rural byway that takes you down to yeah, Zion. Yeah, instead of doing I-25, you get off and it's like you you just absolutely go through these amazing spots. Uh, and I forget the name of it, but uh, or the number the number whatever. But I had a buddy tell me he goes Brad when you go to Zion, get off the interstate and drive this road and. I did. I couldn't think of them enough. It was it was absolutely yeah. rad. That's what I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm trying to prompt that. But yeah, what's uh, what's your little fourth gear? Here? All right, fourth little gear for... fourth gear. We're getting to some heavy gear. Yeah, this one. Um, this is going to take a bit of a commitment. Again, these are for bigger trips, probably with more people. But buy a camper trailer or a teardrop, and then flip it after your road trip. If you want a little more space, like I said instead of sleeping in your car and you should want more space but particularly if you're traveling with two or more people buy a reasonably sized trailer nothing you don't need anything over 20 21 feet buy that trailer or that teardrop use it forever how long you need it and then sell it there is a really strong market right now for camper trailers and as long as you're selling it in the right season and probably the right location it shouldn't be that hard to move so basically what you end up doing is quote unquote renting it for your trip and then just flipping it this is a lot harder with rvs i would mm. not buy an rv and expect to flip yeah. it rv is just rvs are like boats you're gonna sink money so hole. much money into an rv that i would stay away from that but this is something if you think about you know taking the family taking a girl taking a couple friends and a small camper trailer throw it down five grand four grand, eight grand, and then turn around and flip it. I drove across the United States with a 1969 camper trailer for seven months. I bought it for 3,300. When I got to California at the end, I posted something on Craigslist. Within two weeks, I sold it for 2,500. So basically I paid $850 to to rent a camper trailer. That's that's your rent for seven months. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I'm telling you, there's a lot of them out there. You can make them work for you as long as you're selling. Can't sell them in winter. It's pretty tough. Some places, middle of America, I imagine is a little harder too, but that's it. Guys, don't be afraid of putting some money on the front end and try and sell it on the back. I like that idea. I, I like that. You know, I've, I've, I've gotten into this a lot, but the idea of buying a vehicle and then selling it at the end of your trip, like flying into, well, California is brutal, but like, I don't know, flying into Florida, buying a Chevy Astro for three grand and driving it to Maine, you know, something like that where you're, why not just pimp out an Astro with some like cheeky bedding? Boom. You're good to go. 
And it's not as, it's, it's pretty easy. Cars are a little weird because of miles, depreciating in value. Trailers, yeah. you've got miles on trailers. You know yeah. what I mean? And so yeah. it's a little different. And when you have a smaller trailer or a teardrop, which is real small, you can get about anywhere you want. That's the other thing about yeah, you can, getting you big RVs. Like you can't fucking park those RVs anywhere. Yeah. But if you've got a little trailer that's like 16 feet or 18 feet or a teardrop, it's basically like two parking spots. And so you can park them anywhere. Yeah. And it's also like you look at Europe and they're pulling them with like these 1.6 liter, like tiny little station wagons. You can pull them with any car. Absolutely. You can pull a teardrop with a fucking motorcycle. That's I've seen people pulling teardrops and motorcycles. That's oh yeah, probably yeah, bigger than mine. But. They're gnarly. <laughs> I mean, they're gnarly motorcycles. But you have to check your towing capacity for your car. You might have to install a hitch. It's gonna save you a ton of money if you just keep stopping in every hotel or every campsite or whatever. So that's that. Don't be scared. Jump on it, Nate. It's fifth gear time, baby. It's fifth gear time. So where's, where's that energy at? Let's get into fifth gear. Boom, we've knocked into fifth gear. <laughs> For fifth gear, we uh, Brad and I discussed this, and we're kind of going on a, a joint point here. If you're disillusioned with the friction and the divide in the United States, then go out and see how other people live. Drop into Texas and watch a high school football game. Go fishing on the backwaters of the Mississippi. Make your way to the industrial zone of Portland and go to a rave. <laughs> Drop some Molly. <laughs> Yeah, just go out and see how different people live and maybe even push yourself outside the comfort zone. But I think you're going to come back with a bit more understanding. What are your thoughts on this, Brad? I'm going to go even hotter, Nate. I'm going to take it. We're redlining here. I'm going to say you can't <laughs> call yourself an American if you haven't seen the rest of America. Get out of your state. Get out of your city. See what the heck is going on, right? There's so much misunderstanding so much bullshit so much divide i hear all this wah 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 on fucking television and instagram and whatever see what people are talking about see what people are doing you might have more respect or more perspective if you do it i'm, I'm coming off a little, <laughs> little high and mighty and a little obnoxious i get that but oh man is I mean, do you, there's there a time that like, can you think of an experience that really changed perspective in any way on the road in the United States? Listen, like it's before I even was old enough to travel by myself. When my mom took me to where she grew up, just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I saw that, that changed me. I understood my mom. I understood my uncle. I understood my grandparents. Like that changed me and it changed the way I saw my family. And yeah, completely. there's so much, I'd seen more of the world than I'd seen in my own country. And so in 2015, I was like, enough is enough. And I got out into places. I went to where Mike Brown was shot in, in St. Louis almost a year to the day after it happened. Like I saw the teddy bears and roses in the neighborhood he lived and where that went down. Like that changed me. You know what I mean? Mm. I drove across Utah and I looked, thought I was on Mars. And I was like, this is the United States. What a gift of a country we have. It made me appreciate our nature and our public lands and national parks. I don't know, what about you? When did, when did that really hit home for you? You know, I think there's kind of a growing up 
growing up in Scottsdale and Phoenix, you know, that's in your way, your own bubble. And then I went to school in DC, which is the biggest bubble uh, in the country. But going from there and driving from Phoenix to where my mom grew up in Cortez, Southwest Colorado, you drive through Navajo Nation and it just paints a perspective that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And you kind of see you know, how we've treated them in the past and what that means. And I did a whole paper on it because I was just, it fascinated me. And diving into that was an experience I wouldn't have had unless I have driven through there so many times. But also you saw where my mom grew up, you know, it's this rural farmland and it, you just feel so far away from these cities. It, it just, you just understand that it's like, this is so different than, you know, the pulse, the vibe, the kind of liberal bubble you're in at a university or, um, in DC and it just was a complete shift. And I think it was, you know, it's really good to see, I don't know that you're not the only people that live in this country. <laughs> well, here's my NOS. Wherever you go, don't bring up politics. Uh, here's why. Because Americans are some of the nicest people. If you don't bring up politics, <laughs> my Kiwi friends did the road trip across America and they got into like some of these places that the New Zealand's a pretty progressive country that like, you know, probably they could have, could have seen as being a bit backwards in a way. And they were just welcomed with open arms and like, you just don't, don't talk about it. And you're going to be, I'm going to push back on that though. Like you're saying you want to have those, you want to have, we need to have those conversations now. I'm not saying go in there and be close minded and just say like, screw whatever politician (laughs) or whatever, but like share how you feel about, something about what's going on and why i think now we've got to talk to people everywhere right yeah and at the same time i, I don't know i was in wyoming two weeks ago and i'm like we're, you know having a beer out in this outside space wearing birkenstocks but there's like the the townie not the townies is that derogatory no i don't think so <laughs> but like the people who live in the town were like sitting there all drinking their beers and stuff and they were like mentioning yeah those liberal denver yuppies and i like looked down at my birkenstocks and i was like fuck that's me <laughs> yeah but who's to like and this is my but, thing yeah. is like we can shut people down by the way they look or where they're from but when you have a conversation with people you realize you might have more in common than you don't and i'm i'm that's I'm, what I'm saying. If you don't I'm bring up politics, get, that you're, you're, if you don't bring up politics, you're focused on the similarities, and not to, uh, not the differences. But that's what my, that's my nos. I'm just saying. But who knows what? I am going to test this theory in the next. I'm going to be on the road for eight days, ripping my motorcycle around Wyoming and Montana. I'm going to test this. Granted, I will say I think I look like less of a Denver yuppie <laughs> when I'm riding my hog. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> which is a good thing. Well, either I thinking, way, I was thinking about testing this out in Portland in the in the pri- in the riots and protests. How do you think that's going to go? <laughs> uh, just not kidding. well. Just kidding. I'm not. Anyways, let's transition finally into our our last segment here. All right, Brad. Here we go. We're getting back on the bald eagle and flying to our off trail destinations. Where incarnation am I going to take you? That's right. I'm stepping up to the old plate. And going first for the first time this season. (laughs) Well, I am taking you to my favorite place in the United States. I'm talking about Southwest Colorado. 
I think you could start by saying Telluride. I think that is a well-known destination potentially in the Western U.S. It is an awesome ski resort, some of the best and most technical skiing. It is a great place to visit. They've got the free gondola. They have the film festival. They have the bluegrass festival. They have a lot that makes it a really attractive destination. But I want to talk about the two other towns in that area that really take you to a different time in a different headspace. Uray is deemed the Switzerland of America. Why? Because it's these beautiful towns shot up with these beautiful mountains and canyons. It is absolutely stunning. You get to these parts and you say, I can't believe this is in the United States. That's what I'm trying to get you to. What I love about Uray is how you feel like it's an old mining town. You feel like it could have not changed that much since the 60s. There's a sense that it's a bit of a timeless classic. Nice. It is a pace of life that just asks you to take a step back and enjoy the fresh mountain air that you're looking for. How to do that? You can go horseback riding. You can rent a Jeep and go over these mountain passes. There's a little park called Box Canyon. There's ice climbing. There's so much great outdoors thing to do, but even if you're just a novice hiker, walks through these gentle streams and beautiful places will fill your tank. Further up is Silverton, which is really an even more rugged and even more out there mountain town. But in between is what I think is the best stretch of road that does provide in the United States. It's called the Million Dollar Highway. Folklore has it that it cost a million dollars when they first made it. I think it's because they have million dollar views. Quote me on that. (laughs) But what I'm going to finish with is Silverton because I think it's like... The last, you feel like you're in the old west days. You walk into some of these saloons of these dirt side streets and you're like, this feels like an old western. And during a time where COVID is such a big thing and, you know, cities aren't quite as attractive because you can't be bopping in and out. You're wearing the mask all the time. A place like this, you get to go out and enjoy the outdoors. It's so easy to slip into these places for, you know, five, six, seven days and just forget some of the stresses of city life and just be out there and enjoy the fresh air, which I think is something that we all need right now. Yeah, absolutely. When you talk like these mining towns and these old preserve Western stuff like that, does it come off as cheesy? Are they trying too hard or does it feel right? Does it feel natural? That is a great question because I've been to enough of these towns and like I'm from the Southwest where like even Scottsdale has like these, you're panning for gold and you have these like yeah, just old Western stores. Shit, yeah. Very kitschy. Yeah. I think, you know, there are a few tourist shops, but I think, can you get I think good, it's, can you get good food in these areas? Yes. So, uh, in Telluride, my friend Christian, it's his favorite pizza. It's like brown dog pizza or something like that. Yeah. yeah but, been, uh, your Ray, has a brewery and you know, there's a number of different, uh, there's a pizza spots and you know there's a few upscale options as well. Okay. Telluride, of course, has the most fine dining. Polo Ralph Lauren is like lives there. Sorry, his name's not Polo Ralph Lauren. Ralph Lauren lives there. <laughs> and Telluride's you know, next next level. I mean, ne- I mean, I was Telluride I was, has everything I, yeah. everything you want. It I was having breakfast right. and Hillary Swank was sitting next to me and she was hearing me tell these stories about me like living in a van in New Zealand and I was like Hillary Swank listening to your boy <laughs> you know it was a good experience but yeah and it's off trail because it is not easy to get to like it's like six hours from Phoenix or seven hours seven eight hours from Phoenix 
you're about seven hours from Denver. You're probably about six, seven hours from Salt Lake. There's really no not accessible. Yeah. Montrose is an airport you can fly into, but it's expensive. Grand Junction is also expensive and a bit further away. So getting there is a bit of an issue, but once you're there, it it is incredible. I've I fell in love with Telluride. I've been meaning to go back for years now, ever since the last time I went. What's your What's your uh, off trail destination for us today, Brad? All right, I'm I'm jumping in here. My off trail destination this week is Memphis, Tennessee. Oh hell yeah! We have spent most of this season focusing. I think we agree, right, Nate, on the lighter, more entertaining side of travel. Well, given. <laughs> Given our current climate, I thought it was fitting to end on a more, I don't know, the more powerful, maybe substantial aspect of this pursuit of travel. So here we are with Memphis. Memphis, I believe, is an opportunity really to acknowledge and celebrate African-American history in this country while also confronting probably the most tragic point within it, one of the most tragic points within it. Memphis for me, is is as much as an education as it is entertainment, though it is entertaining as well. And since we're getting into it, I think to begin to understand Memphis, you've really got to understand its location. Memphis is the gateway in and out of the Mississippi Delta. And after slavery, it became the hub to move north and back down again. And it was incredibly vibrant. There was nothing like it in the late 1800s. Not that I know personally, but from what, I, what I've read and heard, it was Harlem before Harlem. It was home to the first African-American millionaire and the main street of Black America, which is now Beale Street. It's there on Beale Street that I and likely you would come to know of Memphis. Memphis is home of the blues, baby. It is B.B. King. Memphis is rock and roll. And for me, Memphis is soul. Otis Redding, Al Green, Wilson Pickett, Sam Dave, Hitman. <laughs> if any of that sound touched you or shaped you, then get to Memphis. I'd personally highlight the Stax, Rec uh, Stax Records. It's the home of Otis Redding. It's now been turned into the mu Museum of American Soul Music. But the city also hosts the Blues Hall of Fame. And of course, like I said, Beale Street. If you want to hear the real thing in person, that live music, Bill Street still jumps off. It's like a cleaner, less crowded version of Bourbon Street. Now, I can't go too far, and I'd be dumb if I didn't mention barbecue here. Every May, Memphis holds the world's largest barbecue con contest. And if that's any indication, it's a great place to get some. I feel like picking a favorite barbecue joint is like picking a favorite child. You love them all, but you definitely have a favorite. So personally, my favorite in Memphis is Central Barbecue. If I'm anywhere near the city, I'm driving there straight up. A local legend and another place to consider in town I can't miss is a place called Payne's. It's a family-owned and operated barbecue joint that's been serving the community for 50 years. So you know you're getting the real deal. Lastly, as I mentioned in the beginning, Memphis is a place to acknowledge America's violent history of racism and injustice. It was the Memphis sanitation strikes and the I Am a Man protests that drew Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., to the city before his tra tragic assassination. The I Am a Man slogan 
I think bears a strong resemblance to today's Black Lives Matter slogan and movement, doesn't it? The Lorraine Hotel, where Dr. King was gunned down, still stands. It's become part of a larger complex that, that makes up the National Civil Rights Museum. It's not a fun, touristy part of travel that we often bring up. To be honest, it's a punch in the gut, but it's necessary. I think really necessary, even more so now. Take that all into consideration. There's no easy transition out of that. I just feel like saying that for me, Memphis is such a quintessential part of American history and culture, African-American to be specific. And I think if you want to see a bigger, more inclusive, more inclusive picture of America on your next road trip, you should absolutely make it a point to get there. A couple quick hits here. Memphis for me is off trail because it gets overshadowed by Nashville to the east by five hours and New Orleans to the south by about four hours. And I think where Memphis really has the upper hand on those two is affordability and it's access. Nashville is a fucking walking bachelorette party and Bourbon Street is, to be polite, a shit show. Completely. And, and Memphis finds a nice little middle ground between that. I mentioned the the barbecue championship. It's in May and it's part of a month long festival that happens in Memphis. That festival also includes the Beale Street Music Festival, which is three days and they have some awesome people who perform there. So yeah, try to go in May. Just don't stick around too much longer. If anybody knows anything about the South or the Deep South, you do not want to be in the Deep South in summer. From June till the end of August, it is absolutely a hot box. Swamp ass. Yeah. For anyone. Yeah, it is It is pretty gnarly. And I think that's about it. It's pretty cheap to get there. Most, most major cities to fly into Memphis, you can get one ways for, I don't know, around 300 bucks. It's so weird looking at flight prices prices right now because nobody's flying. Exactly. Like, half, half the airlines are grounded and parked, but um, I'm fairly sure you can get there for round chip for pretty cheap and, and good hotel prices too. So that's it. That's Memphis. Can't say it enough. Um, I love that town. I will always go back to that town. You know, I think you talk about this spot and I we talked about our last point in terms of like seeing different parts of the country they haven't seen before. I have... I do count the amount of states I've been to, and I think I've been to, I haven't been to 14, and 11 of them are in the South. Yeah. I pretty much have need to go to the South in one big, one big shift. But I think cities like that are real American cities and have a certain pulse, a certain uh, energy that you can't find anywhere else in the world. And I think as this pod is talking about kind of American tourism and what makes it what it is, I think that is such an important thing is is saying this is a part of our history and what makes kind of like the the fabric of this country we talk about these cities that that i think are really a piece of americana and 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 have so much weight in history that you just don't find anywhere else new orleans is one of those places absolutely sure memphis for me is one you know and the list goes on and on detroit a bunch of other stuff that's it for me for memphis man i i I just again awesome i appreciate awesome city make it happen get there what a good one to end on. What a good way to finish the first season. How are you feeling about it? It's bittersweet. <laughs> We've been recording for, for a long time now. It took us, you know, some work to kind of to get our pace, but it's awesome to kind of be here. And I, I just can't say thanks enough to everybody who's found us, everybody who's listened and been a part of this. 
I hope to be back here. We hope to be back here in a couple months uh, with season two. Open to anybody's feedback, anybody who's been listening along. We're just trying to get better. I think I've said that before. But yeah, what about you, Nate? This experience has been like a kind of like a foot on the gas drag race, Paul Walker style. You're always thinking about stories and how to refine them and, you know, creative ways to present stuff. And I think it has been a very good exercise for me to kind of get out of my head and like think about things a bit more creatively and have a have a bit of a pa- can I say passion project <laughs> and just uh, man just put pucks on net you know we're just throwing it out here it's been a pleasure again sharing some of our memories some of our tips I feel like people have given me so much in my travel from across the world I've learned from so many people that I wanted to give kind of what I've learned and what I've known so in that sense I hope you guys got some value out of it and we're entertained along the way. We tried to make this pretty as funny as we could. That's Nate's department. So if we weren't funny enough, tell Nate he needs Take to that be, out with me. He needs to be funnier. But anyways, Nate, I want to thank you. I appreciate you for for coming along for the ride. Yeah. And uh And I uh I would give a huge shout out to Brad for for bringing me into this and editing the whole thing. That is a huge labor of love. Uh, that was is not going unseen. It's basically taking a bunch of my shit chat out of it, which is uh, that is a real big labor. Of wait love. till wait till the <laughs> yeah. Otis episode. Just gonna be everything <laughs> that hit the cutter room floor. Exactly. All right, but you can follow us on Instagram. Uh, our Instagram handle is at the Road Provides Pod. My Instagram is at Big End Sunday, and I will let big old Brad over here you tell him. You just catch me at One Man Caravan. I also have a website, onemancaravan.com, with a bunch of travel stories, travel vignettes about where I've been, what I've seen. Um, Enough to hold you over for season two. Yeah. So Until next time, thank you so much, everyone. I really yeah, do. Yeah, appreciate you rocking with. This has been The Road Provides. I was born in the USA.